everybody. Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman, whoever you are, wherever you are listening from. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate your continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener, March 4th, man, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March 4th Pod, on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman. The host site is March4th.podbean.com. And my link tree will be in the podcast description for this episode where you can get all those links. You made it here, so you found me somehow. And I greatly appreciate you guys checking out this week's show. As of recording the intro and close to this week's episode, we're in the home stretch of 2021. We got about three weeks left in the year, so I hope that everybody had a happy Thanksgiving, and I hope that everybody um, who celebrates Thanksgiving and Christmas or whatever holidays you celebrate, um, that that you get a chance to spend some time with your loved ones and uh, to do it safely, to do it uh, with joy, and, and get to get to catch up with you know friends, family, whoever. Man, uh, I, I hope that everybody out there. Uh, you know, gets that experience and um, is able to close the the year on a high note. Um, unfortunately, again, for for this week's episode, there there is a, a bit of a somber note for for the tone of this. You know, you can probably hear it in in my voice. Um, this is the first episode that I've done where the guest that you guys will hear on this week's show has actually passed away prior to me getting the episode out. Um, and this week's guest is, is a guy by the name of Keith Wagen. And Keith is somebody who is a Toledo native like myself from Toledo, Ohio. And he went to school and, and with and, and, and knew my stepdad growing up. And my stepdad got me in touch with him about a month ago because Keith has been battling cancer and I didn't know this until until he had passed, but you know he he really wanted to do a podcast, and so he he had a Facebook page where he would share a lot of positive stuff, and um, my stepdad reconnected with him on Facebook, and so my stepdad Jack got in touch with me and said, hey, you know it'd be really cool I think if you could you know get a chance to talk with Keith, he's you know he plays guitar, he's been around music his whole life. And uh, has had some interesting experiences. You know, he's battling cancer, but he's staying positive and putting positive stuff out there on Facebook. And I've gotten a chance to reconnect with him, and he'd be interested. And so Keith and I actually spoke on the phone for the first time a little over three weeks ago. Um, as of recording the intro and close to this show, it's December 5th. He passed away on Friday, December 3rd. And I think our first communication was November 8th. Uh, you know, looking at my texts, and then we we talked on the phone about a week before we we did the podcast. And unfortunately, as you'll hear in this conversation, there was a lot of bad weather the day that we recorded here in Tennessee, and it, it I think it's what interfered with the the connection on the Zoom call that we did. In retrospect, I I, I wish I would have just if I'd have known that was going to happen, uh, that the call was going to drop out several times. I edited. It edited, excuse me, say that three times fast, I edited the podcast as best I could, but there are a couple of points in this conversation where the audio is a little wonky. Um, I did my best to, to, you know, make it as smooth as possible given how many times it cut out, but in retrospect, I kind of wish I had just called Keith and put him on speaker 
but the audio quality is better when you can use something like a Zoom or a Skype remotely, typically, you know, and in certain cases, like I said, unfortunately with the weather, I think that got in the way of our connection. Excuse me. Um, but nonetheless, we, we did have a really great conversation. I'm, I'm bummed that Keith didn't, um, didn't make it to hear it, but I know wherever he is, he's listening. And I, uh, I, I really enjoy talking to him and getting a chance to share his story. You know, um, the theme of the show, if you're new to the show, is Perseverance and Moving Forward. That's the name behind March 4th. Um, it's my birthday, and when I got back into doing this podcast, I, you know, talked with my stepbrother, uh, or not my stepbrother, I'm sorry, I talked with my brother, Brandon, about the, the name of the show. And he kind of suggested that I call it something different because it used to be Bauman's Breakdown. And um, and when I was thinking about, you know, what I could bring to the table for my show compared to all the other podcasts that are out there, certainly the music shows that are out there with with people who have much larger followings than myself um, and people who are, are famous. Um, I'm just a regular dude, you know. Um I, I really thought about, you know, what can I bring to the table? And a guy that's been on this show a couple times, too, not to drop names, but a guy that's been on the show a few times over the years, several times over the years, and is a really great guy and doing awesome things right now is a, a guy by the name of Doc Coyle who plays guitar in Bad Wolves. He also is in a, a cover band, I believe, called The Wedding Band with uh, Kirk Hammett and Rob Trujillo from Metallica. Um, he's got another band called Vegas Nerve. Uh, with Sterling R. Jackson, who's been on this show. He's a really talented guy, but more importantly, super nice guy, formerly of God Forbid. And I remember hearing him talk about when he got into podcasting, what he wanted to bring to the table to kind of set himself apart. So the name March 4th, um, like I said, it's my birthday, but I decided to take the U out of it and just make it March 4th, like, you know, moving forward, perseverance, you know, March 4th, and kind of make it a, a personal mantra for, for me and my life you know, battling anxiety and battling OCD tendencies. Um, A lot of times I have a lot of irrational guilt about things and just beating myself up. So it's, it's as much for me as it is for everybody else. Um, And so I have a lot of musicians on the show because I love music, you know, and selfishly, that's just something that I'm drawn to, but I've, I've tried to diversify this year and have, you know, colleagues, friends of mine, business owners, and, and kind of step outside of just the music realm, because I, I really think that, um, you know, the the will and the power of the human spirit when when used for good is just, it's, it's a very beautiful thing, you know, and so when my stepdad reached out to me about Keith, I thought, man, here's a guy who's, you know, battling cancer, he's still keeping a positive attitude and a positive mindset despite everything that he's going through, and, um, you know, using his remaining days to to connect with people in a positive way so he really fit the the mold of this podcast and um you know even right now it's hard to find the words to say because it's just um this year for me on a personal level has been really surreal these last 18 months uh from the beginning of the pandemic and just even even this year just with all of the death Keith's included. Uh, that's been in my periphery. It's been a very surreal thing um, in terms of, you know, grief and, and in terms of uh, just loss. Um, it's been really challenging. But at the same time, I think the 
the positives that are going to come out of this um, year for me are just um, learning more about myself and learning how to how to persevere and move forward and march forth. Not to sound cheesy, but I mean, I it's weird in, in, in a lot of ways how I'm really living the theme of my podcast. But getting Keith on here was um, it was really special, and I really don't even want to give too much away up top about who he was um obviously i didn't know him personally outside of you know the two times we spoke and some of the text messages we received but um as you guys will hear he had a really interesting life you know he was somebody who wasn't afraid to try new experiences to learn about new things from film and television and music his personal interests playing guitar um there's there's a lot of really cool experiences that i'm happy to have had the privilege to speak with him about and share on this podcast for everyone who did know him uh, on a way more personal level than that of myself, his family, his friends, his co-workers, um, you know, his, his daughter. Uh, I just, I hope that for everybody who, who, who knew Keith, um, that hearing his voice again and hearing these stories, I hope, um, it can maybe bring you some more peace and joy in in a difficult time with his with his passing um, from cancer. So, without further ado, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Keith Wagen. Here it is. Well, Keith, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate you doing this. Um, you know, we talked uh, a week ago, obviously, just to, you know, kind of learn a little bit more about one another. But um, as far as uh, how you're doing, man, and, and just to give people a little bit of background, like I said, I, I normally like to to kind of go back to the beginning. And I know you've been involved in in, in music for pretty much your whole life, but um, let people know where that started for you, man. Yeah, well, uh, back in 1958, I was born. Uh, actually born in Toledo, Ohio, but right on the border of Michigan. So we were actually living in Michigan at the time. And my father played saxophone violin and, you know, was playing like the big band era music. So, you know, I grew up listening to him practicing and going out to see his band play at weddings. And, you know, my, of course, my sister's when they got married, he played for their weddings and everything. So, you know, that's pretty much where it started, just listen, listening to him play and, you know, just having music in my blood from, from the time I was born. So when did you start to actually get into playing? Because you started out with guitar, right? Yeah, I started with guitar. I didn't actually get into guitar till like... uh I was about 14. Now, of course, uh, through grade school, my father always was getting me into music through uh, right around probably about uh, fourth, fifth grade. He had me playing uh, trumpet. And then right, right after fifth grade, we moved across the border into Toledo because my father worked for Jeep in Toledo and my mother worked at St. Vincent's Hospital. So, uh, you know, I was playing, started playing drums in like sixth grade and played that in sixth and seventh grade. I just didn't feel I was, you know, 
getting where I wanted to be in music. So I, I played drums for like two years. And then, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I had a major things in my life going on background the early 70s. And uh, my father had a heart attack and died right in front of me the day after Easter in 1972. So, you know, after that, you know, I had to kind of lead myself on where I was going with music. So, you know, back then I, I was listening to a lot of music, getting into a lot of the, the 60s and 70s music, you know, always, always love that music and always will. Uh, and then I started playing guitar when I was about 14 years old. So, you know, of course I didn't have my father to guide me anymore. So, you know, I just, uh, it was, it was a big part of my life. And, you know, I wish, wish I would have had him, wish he could have done more for me in my life in music. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your dad's untimely passing, man. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm happy to hear that he was pretty foundational as far as, you know, your love for music and, and having that be a, a big part of your life. Yeah. Uh, one thing he also got me into, you know, before he passed away was he got me into, he always, he was, a, he was into photography. So he did a lot of photography, you know, had a lot of cameras back then. and. He bought me like a couple, um, couple movie cameras and got me into kind of like making movies. So, you know, back then they had the Super 8, Super 8, uh, movie cameras and projectors and stuff. And you could pretty much do what you wanted with, with, uh, film that way you could, uh, get that and, you know, shoot a movie, develop it. I had the, you know, had uh, the editors and all that and got into splicing movies and stuff. So it got me kind of, led me into filmmaking. And, you know, I always, I always liked, you know, they didn't have uh, videos out yet. Like, but that didn't come till the 80s. But I always liked, you know, relating film in, into uh music so you know when i when i graduated from high school and that was 76 and you know i, I wanted to make movies so i went out to montana and you know got into filmmaking out there and you know had a lot of friends out there that you know led me into different styles of music because uh you know go off to college and even though you're learning the one thing that you're majoring in, you're, you're also getting guided into different things through people, people you meet. Cause you go to college and, you know, all of a sudden you leave home and, you know, I, I went 1600 miles away from home. So, you know, that got, got me into a lot of new people and a lot of new styles of music. And, you know, I, I just, loved it you know i could do what i wanted with it yeah tell me a little bit more about that man like you know you mentioned uh, you know people going away to college and whatnot like i'm i'm from toledo as well and and i just stayed home and went to the university of toledo because it was easy to commute and i i went to games growing up with with my dad at uh 
you know, University of Toledo, seeing the Rockets play and stuff. And so it was, it was familiar to me. And I think at that time in my life, I, I still wanted to stay, you know, close to my family and friends and had a good meeting with uh, the, uh, the department of communication director with my mom on like the visitation days and, and it's a beautiful campus. So it, it felt right for me to, to go to Toledo, but um, for you to, to go that far away from home at such a young age, you know, what, what went into, you know, going out to Montana state for um, film and television? Cause that's where you went, right. was Montana state. How did you, how did you yeah. pick, uh, how did you pick Montana? Uh, the main thing was I was looking into, places that were had a good filmmaking program like uh you know like you said Toledo they do have beautiful campus I did you know get a little time there after I left Montana where I I did also go to the University of Toledo but you know I was mainly looking at the there's three colleges that I kind of like there was a a college out in, in uh was out by San Francisco and Half Moon Bay, and they were real big and and into filmmaking and you know I always loved California, especially the San Francisco scene. There was just crazy music going going there, and then there is Los Angeles, just to the south of that, towards that school. And then there was also Ball State, which, uh, you know, was down in Muncie, Indiana, which was a lot closer to home. And they had a really good filmmaking program. But then when I got the catalog for Montana State, I opened it up and right away I saw this aerial view of the campus overlooking the mountains. And they had this big M on the mountains. And, you know, I just fell in love with it. So as soon as I saw that. I thought that's that's where I have to go. As much as I like the the music out in San Francisco and and LA, you know, and all the people out there, it's it, just that picture got me to go to Montana State. And you know, they had the curriculum there was you know just so good compared to the other two were really good curriculums, but. You know, they had these classes that I wouldn't have taken those classes for like probably three or four years. So it was really interesting to me. And they had a lot of lot of professors there who we had one professor uh, named Fred Gerber. And he actually wrote for some of the Gunsmoke episodes. So, you know, that really interested me. You know, we had this other professor that he we went, we'd go to his house sometimes and he had like a screening room and sometimes we'd go there and we'd go to the class and they're like, that, that was really got me that I could, could, you know, be at that level of filmmaking my first year in college. As far as your interest in film and television and stuff, was there anything in, um, that you were doing in high school? to that that kind of got your wheels turning as far as studying that in college yeah we had a couple of filmmaking classes that were like most high schools you know being from Toledo you know there's uh, a lot of big high schools there and Whitmer of course where I went was had a really really good technical college and a lot of classes you wouldn't find in other 
high school. So I took a couple years of filmmaking. And then once there was no longer filmmaking courses to take, I took it as an independent study because I wanted to take four years of filmmaking when I was in high school. So I pretty much did that and then got off into college. So I did get a lot of extra time studying film when I was in high school. What were some of your favorite movies like growing up? Were, were there any in particular that still stick out to this day that, that really got you into movies and film? I mean, there's not really anything that really sticks out now. And, and of course, Shawshank Redemption was always a big movie I loved. And uh, what was the other one? Apocalypse Now. I like that. I liked a lot of the directors like Martin Scorsese, who has done a lot of films on music and stuff. And then you had uh, the director on, uh, on Apocalypse Now. Francis Ford Coppola and you know I always always like the music he put into his movies and of course you look at Monterey Pop and Woodstock and you got all the music in there and of course uh you know being into the San Francisco scene you know every, every band from San Francisco and part of the same bands a lot of those California bands and you know some of my favorite of course uh, I grew up at an early age. I started out with listening to the monkeys. And then I, I jumped from the monkeys to the Grateful Dead, <clears throat> which is really, you know, quite a jump because, you know, monkeys was just this, this thing for mostly music for kids. And then the Grateful Dead, of course, got the music for, for the deadheads. You know, I always liked, uh, from Grateful Dead, I always liked Jeff. Jefferson Airplane and, you know, Hot Tuna and just all these bands coming out of San Francisco. And then you had a lot of the bands coming out of Laurel Canyon. You had bands like uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, The Birds. So it was really, you know, it was kind of when I was in Montana, you know, they didn't have all that stuff. So, uh, after two years of college out in Montana, you know, I kind of got homesick and went back to Toledo. And I went to University of Toledo for a couple quarters and, you know, kind of got away from college. And, you know, you, you start thinking I can do all this stuff myself. So uh, I, I kind of moved away, moved out of Toledo and went down to to Memphis because my mother at the time was living in Memphis, Tennessee. And of course you got Elvis and, you know, everyone's all about Memphis. And, and when I went down there, you know, I thought, well, you know, I play guitar. I'm going to go down there and, and get into some bands down there. And of course you go down there and you be at a party and, wow, I need to play like that. So, you know, it kind of, a lot of things in college, like the sound, I started doing a lot of sound for bands and stuff. And of course I had my filmmaking background. I got into photography, you know, started taking pictures of bands. I had, a, you know, radio station 
I used to do a lot of lot of work for them and took some pictures of Aerosmith at some concerts and and Joe Walsh moved to Memphis. I got to know him and was taking pictures of him and then got into the local scene and a lot of the bands there I'd be doing doing pictures for him and you know kind of promotional stuff and pictures when they'd be playing uh did some pictures for a local band called they're called Jimmy Davis and Junction at the time but you know they didn't they put out an album and you know didn't didn't really go like they wanted to but they're all still around there there's there's uh their keyboard player John Scott he's in Nashville now playing and uh Jimmy Davis who was a singer and the guitar player and the leader of the band he's down in Texas playing then uh Tommy Burrows I don't know I think he's still in in Memphis now so you know I started getting into doing a lot of the photography and then I had a lot of friends and bands that you know I'd help out with the sound because you know I was always the person who was into stereos and stuff when I was younger and when I was in I took a lot of sound classes out in Montana so you know it just made me realize you know you don't have to you know play the music to be involved in it so you know I pretty much I had I had a few bands I played in you know I had probably more bands I did sound for and then I did a lot of photography I got into photography in Memphis and was into photography for 20 years and of course I also got married at the time so you know being married a lot of time your wife doesn't want you out all night every night you know <laughs> being around the bars and everything so you know it, it kind of led, led to a divorce and you know I got in into that scene the divorce scene because she didn't want me out all night so you know and then she moved up to Indiana and then I got more into you know jamming with some bands and stuff and uh, met a friend there and uh, this is about 1996 right after my divorce we we started working together and he was real young I was about, about 20 years younger than me so he was about 18 and he was from Hot Springs Arkansas so that's where I live now and you know we got got to doing stuff and you know, my daughter, I had a daughter who was growing up and she was 700 miles away from me. So, you know, I wanted to have a relationship with her, but I also wanted to, you know, stick around Memphis and play music. Well, we were playing together and, you know, he he was the type of person. He wasn't really playing a lot at the time, but we were coming back from Nashville one time with the job we worked and uh and we we're talking about music and he goes yeah i play guitar and i go i go i do too and i go we ought to jam together sometime he goes uh i'm not that good anymore he goes uh i 
uh, don't ha have any guitars anymore or anything. And I go, well, I got five of them. I go, I can't play all of them at once. So we got into music and doing stuff and got a couple other people around and, you know, started writing some music and probably some of my best songs I wrote back then. But then he, he ended up, he got so good that his brother got a band here in Hot Springs and, you know, he wanted to move back here to get in his brother's band. So he moved back to Hot Springs probably around 1999. And I moved back to Michigan and, you know, got a job there and, you know, just got into like the nine to five type scene again. And, but I was like 200 miles from my daughter. So I could go see her a lot on weekends. And I stuck around up there. And then when she, she ended up going to Ball State. So I moved down to Dayton and, you know, met some friends there who played music. So we got a little band together there. And then she was living 75 miles away from me. So it gave me a lot more time around my daughter. But, uh, so. She moved, she moved there and went to college and I lived in Dayton and I'd, I'd go to Muncie to visit her a lot. But, uh, once she graduated from college, you know, I, I had been working a lot and, uh, when I worked in Michigan, I was going a lot to our office in Fort Lauderdale. So I decided I was going to go down there to work, but I also had a house in Memphis that I had a girl living in, she wasn't paying me rent. So I ended up having to evict her from that house. And then I moved back to Memphis. Well, after a year in Memphis, uh, I decided, you know, it got to be too much crime around there. So uh, I moved, moved back to Memphis. A year later, I was here in Hot Springs and that was 2010. I moved here in, uh, to help their band so I was you know helping with the sound with their band and setting up and tearing down and uh it was uh Feb February 2nd of 2009 I moved back to Memphis and February 2nd of 2010 exactly a year later I moved here to Hot Springs Arkansas so it was kind of kind of unique that it was like exactly a year later well, then, uh, my birthday is October 10th. And that year, my birthday was October 10th of 2010. So it was 10, 10, 10, which I thought was kind of unique to have a birthday like that. And, uh, my friend Meadow, his brother Dean, he, uh, he pretty much played, they'd play with the band on the weekends. And during the week, he would just play like local clubs and stuff. And he had a friend that, another friend he'd play with. So it was just like a duel. Well, uh, in that duel one night, we're, we're at a club called Lucky's. And when we got done playing, he said, uh, he goes, this guy around. And when he got done playing Lucky's, the uh, guy had already spent the $10 bill at the bar. So, and then uh, the guy's name's uh, Steve Steve Bogan, and this book's called All of the Money. So uh, 
Dean decided he was going to hold on to the $10 bill and send it up to St. Louis to, to pay for his fantasy football league. So the guy ended up, Steve start, stayed here for like a, for about five and would be playing. And, you know, he'd be sitting there drinking and listening to the band with me. So uh, he got to know me pretty good. And my nickname that Metal gave me was always Magic. So uh, he wrote, when he wrote the book, he had a chapter called Magic, which was about me. So he uh, sent the, or the $10 bill to St. Louis and uh, he had to drive up to St. Louis to follow up from there. But he ended up writing that book and it was really good. You know, I got the book and everything. So, uh, you know, he, he ended up in the, the 30 days and then he, he ended the book and he, he wrote it and everything. And uh, he had gotten the $10 bill back because he had the serial number on it and everything. And so he had a lot about the band there and everything. And, you know, if anyone would ever want to read it, it's called Follow the Money by Steve Bogan. And he's, he's from London, England. But, uh, you know, we still stay in contact and everything. But, uh, you know, that kind of, you know, just I stayed here and stayed working with the band. And, you know, Dean got another band going. I stayed with them, helping them set up and tear down and doing sound and uh, just a couple years ago you know I got diagnosed with cancer so you know it's since then it's been pretty much I haven't been able to help the band or you know I can't really play like I used to it's been kind of rough but uh you know I just live every day as it is right now because uh I can't do the things I used to do, but, you know, I still still want to be around the music. Uh, Dean does this thing here called Rocktoberfest, and he's done it for four years. And the first one, you know, I was still able to help out and stuff. And then a few years ago, when he was doing Rocktoberfest, I was in the hospital. And I got out the day of Rocktoberfest, but I was just in no shape to to be there to help or anything. And then the last two years, I've kind of just been going downhill. So, you know, this year my sister was here to help take care of me because, you know, I'm kind of in hospice now and, you know, trying to fight this. You know, I'm not going real good. It's going downhill, but. You know, I keep looking at it as something I can beat. So uh, this year when my sister is here, we got to go to the Rocktoberfest and hear a couple bands. We didn't stay for the whole thing, but, you know, it's still, I got to be around music. So, you know, I went and did that. And you know, that's been pretty much it from there. Well, I'm glad you're hanging in there, man, and fighting. Um to, to to go back a little bit, you know, you mentioned when you when you went to Memphis after, um, after you had you had come back to Toledo from Montana. How did how did you get into to rock photography? You know, I'm sure there's there's probably people listening to this who who are passionate about photography and stuff. And um, 
you know, there's some, some famous, you know, music photographers out there, but, you know, for you, how did you, how did you even get into that, into that world when you got to Memphis? Well, uh, I've just kind of followed a lot of the local bands around and, you know, everywhere I went, I always had a camera around my neck. You know, of course, photography's changed a lot, you know, back then I was shooting 35 millimeter film rather than that. This was before digital. So I got to, you know, going out and hearing bands play. I got to know a lot of the people in the bands. So, you know, I'd be taking pictures of them and, you know, I'd go out and show them my pictures and a lot of the bands like my work. So they wanted, wanted more pictures of their bands. So, you know, I started getting, making some money off of it and I've got to know the rate the people at the radio station rock 103 in Memphis and you know I I was doing a lot of stuff for them like they have these sunset parties on Mud Island and I'd be taking pictures of bands there and you know uh they wanted they wanted pictures of uh sunset parties there so a lot of times you know different people would show up and then they they had uh they were pretty much promoting all the bands because they were the rock and roll station around there so you know i got to do pictures of errol smith and you know got to be there like where the stage is and then they have the little area where the bouncers are and then they have the fence and on the other side of the fence are his audience. So uh bouncers would keep the audience from coming over that fence. So I got pretty close where I could get good shots of them and everything. And of course any of the local bands, I was always right up close to them. And you know, once once you get your name out there, you know, I wasn't like a big famous uh, rock photographer but once you get your name out there in a city just like you live in Nashville you know there's a lot of a lot of music in Nashville and a lot of good musicians and you know if you start taking pictures of them and they like your work you know of course they're going to want more pictures and they're going to you know who knows it's like I had a had a chance when Jimmy Davis they went on tour with Outfield and you know, that was kind of, I, I could have toured with them and, you know, went on the road and took pictures of them and everything. But like I said, my wife didn't want me out at bars all the time. So, of course, she didn't want me going going on tour with the, with the band and being gone for like three or four months. So, you know, it's it's kind of, it's kind of the, when you're doing work like that, it's not really, good to be married just like everyone in the band here in hot springs they were all married so they didn't really get get out of the state of arkansas you know they always want they always wanted to be big but you know it's kind of hard to uh you know be on tour and and still have a married life it's like most most of these rock musicians you know a lot of times that will either break up their marriage or it will break up break up their music because what do you want to do? Do you want to be married and play 
or do you want to play music? So, you know, it's just, it's the same thing as a photographer. You're pretty much in the same situation. If you're married, do you want to stay married or do you want to go out, go around the country taking pictures of this band? Right. Yeah, it's tough, man. Um, I, you know, I can't imagine being on the road like that, like some of these artists do. Um, even though you get to have a lot of cool experiences and play for all those people, yeah, it, it, I can see how it can be kind of a double-edged sword. Um, but I mean, on a positive note, you sent me some some pictures from back in the day, from the '80s, when you were taking pictures, and I think I saw like Aerosmith in there, um, like you mentioned. Yeah. And then I think I saw what Tom Petty, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Like, I mean, you 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 did a lot of different shows. Are there any any ones that stick out, in, or any stories from from that time in your life um, that that you want to share? I really like the Aerosmith pictures, you know, because uh, it was a time when, you know, you had this, a lot of the bands, they don't tour like they used to, but a band like Aerosmith, you know, they, especially Steven Tyler, they had all these colors, you know, and just, just the outfits they would wear and everything. I really like that because, you know, I was always into like a lot of those, those outfits that they would wear. So, you know, that was really cool getting to take those pictures. And, uh, of course, the ones of Tom Petty, he's not with us anymore, and I really wish he was. But, uh, me too. I got, I got pictures of him with, he was torn with, uh, Bob Dylan, the Grateful Dead. And the next year, Grateful Dead toured with Tom Petty. Like, Tom Petty's a type of musician. He would, uh, every year he'd be on tour, but he always had a different backup band behind him. And that year, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were the backup band behind him. And then the Grateful Dead would come out and play after that. So I really liked that. That was in at RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C. So I really enjoyed be, being that close to him and, you know, getting some good pictures of him, I guess. I got so many slides that, you know, I need to really get some of my slides in, into like digital photography or get everything onto a computer. You know, it's kind of hard when I'm sitting here fighting a disease and, you know, wanting to still get my work out there. So, you know, that was really big, big show for me. And, uh, of course, Joe Walsh, he, he married a woman in Memphis and moved to Memphis. And that, at that time, he did uh, the album Got Any Gum. He was living on Peabody in Memphis. So it was just cool to, you know, get to know somebody like that. Because uh, you're living in the same city and, you know, they become like a friend rather than someone who, who you've listened to their music all the time. And uh, also... My sister, she's a, she's a lawyer up in Ohio, and a friend of hers is also a lawyer, but he's also, you know, been in charge of, you know, getting everything ready for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions and stuff like that. So, you know, he, he knows all these musicians, and just a couple months ago, like I've had my sister from North Carolina, she's a nurse, 
she came down here to, you know, be with me for a month and kind of take care of me. And then my sister from Ohio, she's here now. But uh, when my other sister from North Carolina was here, you know, it's like last year with COVID and everything, I couldn't really risk getting out there and hear hearing music be played right. and all that. But uh, they had these quarantine concerts uh, at the Fur Peace Ranch up in Ohio, which is owned by Yorma Kalkinen, who was a guitar player from Jefferson Airplane. And then he went on with the bass player to form Hot Tuna. And, you know, he's kind of that rare person who he's got this wife who, you know, helps run the Fur Peace Ranch. And now he's on tour. So, you know, it's always been like he could do his thing while she did this thing at the Fur Peace Ranch and ran workshops and stuff so people could come there and, you know, do a workshop and like songwriting workshops, finger picking workshops with all these great, great guitar players and bass players and just all the, these great musicians are there. Well, uh, my sister took me to a nursing home that, you know, look at it when she got here and we were driving back to my house and all of a sudden my phone rang and I didn't recognize the number, but, you know, I get all these calls from different healthcare places and stuff. So I answered it and the guy goes, uh, is this Keith? And I go, who's calling? He goes, this is Yorma Kalkman. And, you know, I had been watching these these quarantine concerts every Saturday for you know, over a year that he was putting on because I couldn't go on tour. He was putting them on at Fur Peace Ranch. So I was watching all those and all of a sudden he calls me. You know, I had never, never met him before. Always wanted to, always wanted to go and do workshops. But uh, just the thought that he called me on the phone and, you know, he's like 80 years old now. And, you know, it was, it, it really, really touched my heart to be able to talk to him. And, you know, I, I could have thought it was a joke, but, you know, I knew his voice right away. So we got to talk for about five or 10 minutes. And, you know, it's like still a dream for me. It's like, that's, uh, I got a few goals right now. One of my goals is I still want to go to the Fur Peace Ranch. I still want to go there and have him help me with playing finger finger picking a guitar you know so and then I have another another goal is my daughter just got engaged and she's getting married probably June or July of next year and so that's another goal is to walk her down the aisle so it's like these are things I have to fight for now you know it's like I don't know if I'll make it but you know, I'm, I'm going to try. So it's like still part of music. You know, I'm, I want to, my daughter wants to, you know, take some of my songs and do something with me. And then, you know, he called me and, you know, I'm sure if I, if I called First Peace Ranch and said, you know, I want to get up there and whether it's to see a concert, because they have a concert, they have a little hall with holds about 200 people or whether it's to do a worksheet workshop you know it's just things out there you know I still got the music in me and I 
you know, I have these things I want to do. So, you know, that was, that was really something to me. And just that thought that my sister, you know, got me that call. So I, I just loved it. And, you know, just to be around people like that, you know, whether I go in a year or whether I go tomorrow, you know, the, the music will always be in me. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I really think that that's cool that uh, that you got a chance to speak with him and that he took the time to do that, you know, and, and like you said, keep fighting for those goals, man. I think I think, you know, having things to look forward to, you know, whether whether you're in the, the condition that you're in, whether you're young or you're old, I really think that that's those are the things that make life worth living, man, is, is having those things to look forward to and the, and the people in our life and the experiences that we have along the way that that make us who we are, you know? So I'm glad you're fighting and, and keep on fighting, man. You know, and I think that's really cool that you got a chance, especially listen to those guys growing up. I, you know, it's, I know sometimes people say, don't, you know, meet your idols or whatever, but it's um, I, there's, there's still a lot of really good people out there and it's, it's cool to hear that, that he's one of them, you know? Um, and I was looking up some of the, the stuff that they do at Fur Peace Ranch in Ohio. And um, for people listening to this, it's, uh, looks like it's kind of down in the Athens area, you know, like South, um, Southeast yeah. of, uh, Columbus, but, uh, yeah, they do a lot of cool workshops and stuff, you know, so anybody listening to this, uh, when this comes out, you know, who, who plays guitar, definitely, definitely check it out. That's yeah, a beautiful place. You know, of course, growing up in Toledo, it's a lot different than it is in Southern Ohio. You know, that's, they got like a bunch of cabins there and, you know, it's real hilly places to hike. You know, they got a lot of area down there for that. And for anyone who's like a biker, they do this like like biker thing where they go down there with their guitars. They, you know, do some workshops and they get on their bikes and they they ride the the highways around there, which are, are really beautiful. You know, it's a little little bit uh what would, let's see south south uh east of columbus so you know kind of between columbus and west virginia so yeah, yeah i was gonna anyone, say it's pretty uh pretty close to the west virginia border right yeah if anyone has a chance to get down there i'd recommend it too because you know it's, i've been they built that place back in the late 80s and i've been wanting to go there since and i haven't made it so you know for, just for me, if anyone hears us, you know, go down there for me, you know, because I'll, I'll, I'll be there with you. Well, before we wrap it up, Keith, and, you know, I want to thank you again so much for your time and uh, especially with everything you're going through right now. Um, it's, it's really cool to hear these stories and share them with me and everybody listening to the podcast because, you know, you've had a lot of interesting experiences along the way. And I, I took some notes from when we first talked last week before officially doing this and um, going back to some of those Memphis experiences. Um, I know you, you mentioned that you used to um, used to open for like Valerie June. Was it at Maggie's farm or a coffee shop? And that also uh, Craig Brewer from hustle and flow would kind of come in out of there. Like you've, you've rubbed elbows with a lot of interesting people, man. Yeah, I never opened for her. I just would always, she would be playing in these coffee shops for like 
10, 12, 15 people. And, you know, a lot of times she would take a break and she'd let me get up there and play, play some of my songs, which really touched me because, you know, she was, she wasn't what she is now, but I'd always tell her, I go, you're going to be really big someday. And she'd go, oh, no, no, I won't. She's really humble. And if anyone hasn't ever heard her music, you know, look her up on YouTube. It's Valerie June. And yeah, Craig Brewer, he used to, he, he was writing Hustle and Flow and used to, you know, go in the coffee shops that she was working at and wanted her to be in that movie. But he also told her she'd have to cut off her dreadlocks, which she wouldn't do, which is, is good because, you know, just like I talked about, the outfits that Aerosmith would wear, her dreadlocks are part of her. You know, it's like I could never see her without dreadlocks. And, you know, so and he, he's got some good movies out there that also have good music in them. You know, Hustle and Flow has some really, really good hip hop music. It's like if you're, if you sit there and think, well, you know, I don't, I don't really care for hip hop. Listen to Hustle and Flow and, you know, it will change your mind about that. He also has Black Snake Moan, which has some some good music in it. it. Has Samuel L. Jackson and you know Christina Ritchie. So yeah, there's there's some good music in that in that one too. So you know, it's it's different things that people could get out there to see. And uh, another one of my favorite musicians that's out there right now is. Uh, Billy Strings. Uh, I don't know if many people, you know, it's most, mostly the people that are in like the jam bands and stuff. And he, he's really bluegrass, but yeah, he's really good. I like him a lot. And there's a band here in Arkansas that I've, I've really gotten into called Opalagafia and the Sweet Nothings. And, you know, they're putting out some good kind of bluegrass type music. It's kind of a different style than I've been been in most of my life. But, you know, that's some of my few favorite music that's out there right now. Yeah, I'm glad you told me about all of them, man. I was checking them out before we did this, listening to Billy Strings and Valerie June and Opalagafia. You 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 said Opalagafia was like a, a cross between Dolly Parton and Janis Joplin. Then I listened to her and I was like, man, spot on, Keith, with that reference and. Uh, and then I was checking out Crash Meadows as well on uh, Reverb Nation. So I appreciate you letting me know about all those artists, man. And that had to be cool for you to see Valerie blow up as well, just knowing her back in the day when she was playing those coffee shops and stuff, you know? Yeah, kind of makes me wish I would have stayed in Memphis a little longer and, you know, been around her music a little longer because, you know, right after that, she went went off in Memphis and, Next thing you know, she she was touring the world. She did, did half of her first album she recorded in Hungary. So you know she's she's really been around and stuff since then. And that's that's another thing I need to do is go see her. Well, as somebody who's had a, a lot of you know awesome experiences over the years, man, um, you know from from music and film, you know having the courage to to go you know, almost 2000 miles away from home and go to school at Montana state when you did, and then, you know, living in the different places that you have over the years and, 
getting the experience that you've got behind the camera and helping bands set up. I mean, what, what advice would you give to anybody listening to this, Keith, you know, who's, who's trying to chase their dreams, whether they're young or they're old, you know, as somebody who's had all these different experiences throughout your life, man. What I tell them is, you know, no matter how good you are, if, if you think you're not good enough, you know, don't think that way. Stay positive, follow your dreams, because, you know, whether it's, you know, you don't have to be the greatest guitar player. You don't have to be the greatest singer. You know, you could go out there and, you know, just start doing sound for a band and you're going to learn, learn a lot about music that way, you know, and then maybe next thing you know, you might be one, one of the big time guitar players out there, but uh, you don't know if you don't get with it and stick, stick, stick to it because, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do in music. And, you know, the, one of the first things you can do is pick up a, a, a guitar, start banging on drums, you know, start playing get bass guitar, start playing, you know, bass runs. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't get out there and do it, you know, then of course you're not going to get anywhere with it, but just stick, stick with the music get around the music and stick with it. Well, I think that's that's great advice, man, and I think that's a great place to to stop. And and I I just want to say thank you again so much, Keith, for taking your time, man, and, and and keep fighting. You know, I think the goals that you mentioned earlier are are awesome goals, and and I think it's those are great things to continue to look forward to, man. So hang in there. Uh, you're inspiring me, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me for this podcast, man, and share some of these stories over the years with your experiences in life and in music and tv and just working with these different bands and uh i just really appreciate your time man yeah i'm really i'm really glad uh you reached out and got me doing this because you know it's if i if i can't get out there and do do something else you know this this touches my heart you know just getting to talk with you and you know just whoever listens to it you know i hope it touches them and I hope they they do something with it. All righty, Dighty, there you have it. That was my conversation with Keith Wagen. Keith, um, wherever you are, man, I, I hope you got a chance uh, to listen to this from the great beyond, and, and I hope that doesn't sound cheesy to, to anybody who's listening to this, but... Um, you know, I, I really hope that, um, you know, you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. And it was a real pleasure to share your stories with everybody who who checks out this podcast, man. So thank you for your time. And uh, I'm glad you're at peace now. And I'm glad you're at rest. Um, I'm sorry for everyone who, who knew you um, with your untimely passing. But at the same time, I'm glad that you're not suffering anymore. And for everybody who who did just listen to that conversation, who did know Keith personally, whether your family, whether your friends, whether your coworkers, um, anybody who's crossed paths with him, with him over the years. I just, I, I hope that hearing his voice again and listening to him share stories about his life um, brings you some sense of peace in this difficult time with his untimely passing from cancer. You know, I feel really lucky and really blessed to 
have had the opportunity to speak with him, especially, you know, at a time in his life where he was on his way out. And I know there were some really, really hard days, you know, for him. Um, and I think it speaks to who he is that he, he battled it to the very end. And the fact that he took that time, um, despite being in his weakened condition from cancer, you know, to speak with me for this podcast, it really means a lot. And, and I, you know, um, his sister shared some kind words with me um, when she informed me of his passing. Um, I had actually sent a text to Keith um, on, I think, Tuesday last week because, as you guys heard in the conversation, you know, there were, there were times, and I, d- I did my best to clean it up um, and, and do Keith justice, but the, the audio quality, unfortunately, in this conversation, it, it's, it, it was probably the worst, unfortunately, of all the, the podcasts that I've done, and I really think it was the storm that day. It dropped out multiple times. The, the nice thing about Zoom is that as soon as it comes back, it, it, it picks up where you left off. So in terms of editing it together, um, I, I really did the best job I could to clean it up. Um, and Keith also had a, you know, he had a colostomy bag, and, you know, so I tried to edit out you know, parts of that in terms of like gas and stuff for, for his, you know, dignity, um, just being in that condition and, and, you know, um, you know, really making sure that, that I did the best I could to just let him speak and and let his words come through. But, uh, there was a story that he shared and, uh, it's about uh, Steve Boggan who, who wrote the book, follow the money a month in the life of a $10 bill. And that was at that point, the call had dropped like multiple times and I was starting to get frustrated because I'm like man I know I know Keith is already suffering and you know the energy he's taking to do this and then continuing to make him repeat himself and he told that story about Steve uh when they were in Memphis at Lucky's I believe it was and he asked me hey did you did you get that and I said yeah you know but really I it was kind of a white lie because um I parts of it came through but I part of me felt bad it was like a kind of a 50-50 of feeling bad for making him repeat yet another thing cuz I had already made him repeat a couple of things cuz the call dropped and and you know again in his condition not wanting him to have to make him repeat himself so much and also just my frustration with the call dropping out but I wanted to bring that up cuz I tried to clean up what did come through the best I could but I wanted to bring it up for for anybody who wants to check out that book there is a, a chapter in there about about that that experience that uh, Keith had with Steve, um, you know, with with the, the ten dollar bill journey that Steve was on writing that book. So I highly encourage you if you haven't, uh, whether you know Keith or not, you know, maybe you're just an avid reader, but um, you know, please check out that book. Um, do it for Keith. And uh, and again, I, I apologize, you know, because uh, like I said, I in retrospect, I wish one, I, I would have just done a, a phone interview um, and put him on speaker if I'd have known the audio was going to be that bad. And two, you know, just I, I wish I'd have just made him repeat himself again so it could have come through clearer. Because um, even when it when when he started talking again after he told that story, the audio was still chippy, you know, it was still chippy and kind of choppy up, you know, chopped up, you know. Um, so I was a little bummed, but at the same time, you know, so that's that's why I reached out to him last Tuesday because I wanted to see if he could kind of text it to me, and that's when his sister reached out and said, I don't think, you know, he's going to be able to because he's he's going downhill. And at that point, I just prayed, you know, um, just knowing the condition that he was in, I was just like, man, you know. So anyway, I, I, I for anybody who knew him, just know that I tried to, to really do the best I could um, to do him justice 
uh, in this conversation and, and, you know, let him speak and share stories about his life. Um, and, and I tried to clean up the audio as best I could, you know, both with his condition and also just the, the condition of the audio itself. So, um, I'm, I'm not an audiophile by any means. I'm not an engineer by any means, but please know that I did my best to clean it up and I, I hope I did him justice. But, um, thanks again to Keith and, and thank you again to all of you for listening. You know, what a life, man. Um, I think the big things that I took away from this podcast, you know, um, is, is continuing to follow your dreams. You know, Keith, Keith wasn't afraid of, of new experiences. He, he wasn't afraid to chase after the things that he loved, you know, going from Toledo to Montana to study film and television at Montana state for a little bit. And then to spend, what was it? I think it was like two decades as a, as a music photographer. He sent me some pictures, which I am going to share on my social media, um, on Instagram at March 4th pod and on Twitter at Mike V Bauman. But Keith, sent me some of his pictures over the years and there's pictures of Steven Tyler from Aerosmith, Tom Petty and Bob Dylan, uh, which he talked about on, on the podcast, as you guys heard, uh, I think another one in there was Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know, he mentioned that he knew Joe Walsh. Um, so, you know, he, 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 you know, took a lot of great pictures over the years. And, and I, I hope that, uh, that would be really cool. You know, if, if those could somehow be put in some type of booklet, um, just to show people the work that he did for so long with music. And and like he said, you know, um, he had a quote towards the end when I asked him about perseverance where he mentioned, you know, just, just following your dreams and, you know, whether you are really good or whether you're more of a novice, don't let that get in the way of going after it, you know, because you might not be the next, you know, Eddie Van Halen, but that doesn't mean that you can't have a career either doing sound or taking pictures and I just think it's really cool that he pursued his passions with, like I said, film and television, you know, even at 18 years old to go from Ohio to Montana. I mean, that's a big journey. You know, I, I didn't have the the courage when I was when I was 18 years old, as much as I really genuinely loved the University of Toledo. And, I, and I, if I had to do it over again, I still would go to the University of Toledo. I had a great time there and got a great education there. But I didn't have that courage to, to go that far away from home, you know, um, because I love my family so much and I had a lot of friends who were still in town. So the fact that at 18, Keith was, was, uh, you know, willing to spread his wings to, to go after the things that he loved. I, I hope that that spirit gets carried on with everybody who listens to this, you know, that it's never too late to go after the things that you love in life. You know, we, we get one life to live. And unfortunately with Keith, you know, his was cut short because of cancer. Um, and unfortunately, he's the second person that I know this year who um, died of cancer. The other being my my coworker uh, Greg Day, um, may he rest in peace, who was I believe fifty six years old. So um, yeah, man, it's it's a horrible thing, but at the same time, um, I it's a reminder for me to just make every moment count. There's a lot of dumb things that I worry about. I I create a lot of catastrophes in my head and fires to put out and, and, and I'm learning that about myself and the way my brain works and the way my synapses fire about how I I get bogged down uh, sometimes by my anxiety and um, and I, I let those things get in the way of of more positive experiences and this is just a reminder to me uh, on the 50th episode of, of March 4th no less to, to continue persevering and moving forward the way that Keith did you know until his dying day he was battling and Again, for him to take the time to speak with me really just means a lot. Um, 
he also wanted me to mention um, on the podcast, uh, this was his direct text to me um, on November 21st, a couple hours after we spoke that day. He said, uh, I don't think I ever mentioned one of my favorite guitarists, Tommy Bolin, who died too young at 24. He had a solo career along with playing with James Gang and Deep Purple, so he wanted me to mention that as well. So definitely check him out. And again, I want to give a shout out to all the artists that Keith mentioned to me, um, Billy Strings, uh, Valerie June, uh, Opal Agafia, who Keith you know, compared as a cross between Dolly Parton and Janis Joplin. Um, and when he and I talked, I actually checked her out before we talked again. And, and I was like, dude, you were spot on with that reference, you know. And then also Crash Meadows, their music's on Reverb Nation. So I'll put some links up for all those artists as well. And I'm actually going to make a playlist for those of you who have Spotify. It'll be up before the end of the year. But I'm going to make a playlist and, um, you know, featuring all the musicians that I've had on the show since I've brought March 4th back. And for Keith, what I'm going to do is put put songs from the artists that I just mentioned on there because those were some of his favorites. I just kind of want to do that as a tribute to him, you know, um, you know, to give people an idea of what he was into as well. And so, uh, yeah, man, uh, hug your loved ones, tell them you love them, you know, don't let dumb stuff get in the way of either your own dreams or just, or just, you know, beef as it were between you and somebody else, you know, guys, life is really short and, um, there's a lot of pettiness and there's a lot of vitriol, uh, in today's world, but there's also a lot of good people. And I challenge you to just, Try to be the best version of yourself every day and get better every day and just squash the small stuff. You know, if if this year has taught me anything, it's that time really waits for no one. And and I kind of learned that when I was like 17, when I had a tumor, it wasn't cancerous, um, but it was very scary. I bled a lot. And um, having the support of my family, having a mother who was a nurse, uh, being in a part of the country in, you know, Northwest Ohio, Southeast Michigan, where... I was able to get care at the University of Michigan, which, you know, has a great ENT program because my tumor was in my nasal cavity. Like, I lived to tell the tale, and um, I, I, I learned very quickly at a young age uh, as a teenager in my senior year of high school just how quickly everything can change, you know, especially at that time of your life. You think you have all the time in the world when you're 17, 18 years old, and, you know, I was fortunate that I was able to make it through and get a, excellent medical care, and then... This year, you know, with, with the death that's been in my periphery, including Keith, my coworker Greg, you know, people who, who battled cancer, you just, you realize how lucky you are with every breath that you take in this, in this life. And you realize just how fortunate you are to be alive and to be here. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that I'm going to carry into 2022, you know, from, from everything that I've experienced um, including the brief time that I was able to communicate with Keith, you know, it's just follow your dreams. Um, don't worry so much about the end result. Don't compare yourself to other people, you know, walk your own path and just be good to people along the way. And I think eventually, you know, life will find you well. And in the unfortunate circumstance where maybe it gets cut short in Keith's case, he still had an awesome life. He still he still had a lot of great experiences, and um, and and even beyond that, to be a father, um, you guys heard him say that that was one of his goals, was to walk his daughter down the aisle, and it, it breaks my heart that he's not going to get to do that. But I know he'll be there in spirit, and so I I hope that those of you who who 
love music and our musicians as well that you get a chance to go to fur peace ranch i'll put the link for that in the podcast description as well um you know and you even heard keith say he'll be there with you so just be good to each other love each other tell tell your loved ones that you love them and soak up every moment you can you guys um our time here is limited but it doesn't mean it can't be impactful and um I'm really thankful that I got a chance to speak with Keith before his passing. So thank you, Keith. Thank you to his family. Um, and thank you to all of you for, for listening. Um, there's links in the podcast description where you can find the podcast. Obviously, you made it here. I don't want to be on this episode super self-promotional just because I don't think it's like the right place in, in, a, in a show like this, you know. Um, but there are links um, if you go to the podcast description where you can learn more about me and, and other episodes that I've done. Uh, but really, I just want to say thank you to all of you. You know, there's a few weeks left in the year. Tis the season of giving, you know, let's, let's, uh, be mindful of that and be good to each other. And as I always say, keep the faith and be kind to one another. Um, he didn't get back to me yet, but I'm sure he will have no problem with me sharing this song on this podcast. Uh, but I'm going to share a song with everybody from my buds in Tropic Bombs. Um, I've known their singer, Ryan Waiten, since I was 23 years old. I'm 33 now. I've known him basically a third of my life. And um, even though we're not in touch every day, he's he's one of my favorite people um, that I've been able to meet uh, in my 33 years. And uh, we developed a friendship that came out of a, a, um, an interview that I did with him uh, for Toledo Free Press at the time for his new band, Tropic Bombs. And they fuse reggae and rock and hip-hop, and um, it's it's a really cool mix. And um, they have a song called Break This Cage, which lyrically and just the vibe of it, I really think kind of fits uh, this episode and in, in, in with Keith. Um, so uh, I wanted to play that, and um, I don't know how many of the people who hear this episode will be familiar with that, you know. Um, that song and, and that's also part of the reason I wanted to share it too not to hopefully turn you on to traffic bombs but just more importantly I just I really felt it was fitting for this episode you know Keith was somebody who who spread his wings and followed his dreams and had a lot of interesting experiences along the way and this this song lyrically when you hear it I think will sync up with that so keep the faith and be kind to one another rest in peace Keith here is break this cage from tropic bombs peace <laughs>
go to 